0: It will regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad that you're with us today on the uh, program. We're going to be talking uh, about what's going on in the sunshine state of Florida, where, you know, Michael Bloomberg has already committed to spending 100 million dollars uh to try to get Joe Biden over the finish line but apparently e- even that price tag was um not enough for uh for Bloomberg he's he's doing more yeah the uh news broke on Tuesday that uh, Michael Bloomberg is um paying the fines for 32,000 felons uh in the state of Florida so that they can vote this has been uh, an issue for the past couple of months Uh, The uh, Florida legislature passed a uh, a law stating that uh, felons could not automatically have their voting rights restored unless they had paid off all of their fines uh, and uh, monies that were owed. Uh, So Michael Bloomberg is stepping into the breach here. (laughs) Yeah. And he's paying the fines for some 32,000 felons. Not not every felon that uh, would be eligible to vote in November is going to benefit from Michael Bloomberg's largesse. Oh, no, no. A Bloomberg spokesman telling the Axios, quote, the right to vote is fundamental to our democracy and no American should be denied that right. We're getting together with the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. We are determined to end disenfranchisement and the discrimination that has always driven it. Well, no, they're they're really trying to ensure that Joe Biden wins in Florida, because, as it has been pointed out, it's not that Mike Bloomberg said, all right, um, who who are all of the felons that will be eligible to vote? Except for the fact that they haven't paid their fines. I'll go ahead and pay their fines. No, that's not it at all. I mean, keep in mind, by the way, uh, back in 2018, Florida passed a constitutional amendment that restored the right to vote to anybody who had been convicted of a crime other than murder or a sexual offense. Then the legislature, again, stepped in and said, all right, but you got to pay your fines first. You got to make sure that your debt, your actual debt to society uh, has been paid. This was upheld by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals recently. Uh but when it comes to you know picking who these felons uh were going to be that would benefit from michael bloomberg's largesse, yeah well, they decided that uh they're gonna vote or they're gonna go with specific voting blocks yeah this is a um this is from a a memo uh from uh team Bloomberg here we've identified a significant vote share that requires a nominal investment. Again, already, we know that this isn't about, you know, restoring people's rights because it's about fundamental fairness. Well, I almost said something I shouldn't. Baloney. We've identified a significant vote share that requires a nominal investment. The data shows that in Florida, black voters are a unique universe unlike any other voting bloc where the Democratic support rate tends to be 90 to 95 percent. hmm So the Bloomberg effort is, uh, quote, narrowly focused only on black and Hispanic voters who are already registered to vote and whose debts are less than $1,500. Yeah, there's a lot of fine print with that statement about this is restoring fundamental fairness. Uh, Axios says, uh, quoting a Bloomberg he spoke in the condition of anonymity to discuss private conversations. This Bloomberg advisor said, quote, Mike wanted to get this done for two reasons. One, because it's the right thing to do for the democracy. And two, because it immediately activates tens of thousands of voters who are predisposed to vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, that's really what this is about. Uh, over at, uh, Hot Air, uh, Ala notes that the Bloomers group targeting felons who are already registered to vote, he wonders presumably if they can find the money. Uh, they could expand this program to get uh, other black ex cons who aren't registered and get them on the rolls in the next couple of weeks, which raises a question exactly what sort of interactions are happening between the ex-cons whose debts are being paid in either Bloomberg's group and or the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. If you go to sleep one night, owing $1,500 to Florida's court system, and you wake up the next day to find out that a benefactor has paid that debt for you, surely you're going to ask why. What's in it for them? Why would anybody be so generous? And even, Alipanen says, if no one tells you to your face that they're trying to purchase your vote for Joe Biden, it'll be clear enough from the press coverage what the deal is here. Quid pro quo. You're indemnified on your fines, and in return, you go and you cast your ballot for Joe. All on writes, that sounds like a bribe, although it's a bribe that was only made possible by the Florida GOP's insistence on creating a new obstacle to Floridians' attempt to restore voting rights to most of the state's felon population. Well, again, I, you, we can argue over the uh, Florida legislation. Uh, personally, I, I'm a believer that, uh, you know, once you've been released from your felony sentence, And to be honest, I haven't really given much thought to the idea of the fines that might be owed and things of that nature. But my attitude has always been, once you've paid your debt to society, then your rights should be restored. All of your rights should be restored. And it is worth noting as well that Michael Bloomberg, again, democracy requires that uh, this small portion, this small portion of the electorate have their rights restored. But not all of their rights. Oh, no, no. Michael Bloomberg is not interested in these felons getting their Second Amendment rights restored, even if they've been convicted of a nonviolent felony offense. Even if this was, you know, some sort of paperwork crime or a victimless crime, doesn't matter to Mike, you've lost your right to keep and bear arms for the rest of your life, but you can still vote for the Democrat who's running for president. Now, uh, it has been noted there is a statute in Florida law. Any person who gives anything of value that's redeemable in cash to any person in consideration for his or her becoming a registered voter, commits a felony of the third degree, uh, any person uh, uh, who by bribery, menace, threat, or other corruption, directly or indirectly influences, deceives, or deters, or attempts to influence, a uh, deceive, or deter any person in the free exercise of that person's right to register to vote at any time, upon first conviction, commits a felony of the third degree. So Alupundant wonders, okay, does this explain why uh, Team Bloomberg here has has so far, anyway, only focused on those felons who have already registered to vote. It's a great question because if Bloomberg had said, "All right, you know what? Well, we're going to cough up another thirty million dollars. We've identified another forty thousand or so uh, offenders who have not registered to vote, but we're going to pay off their fines. We're going to send them, you know, voter registration material." Would that run afoul? of Florida's bribery statute. I think that there is a strong case to be made. There's another statute as well. Whoever by bribery, menace, threat, or other corruption whatsoever, either directly or indirectly, attempts to influence, deceive, or deter any elector in voting, or interferes with him or her in the free exercise of the elector's right to vote at any election, commits a felony in the third degree, no person shall directly or indirectly give or promise anything of value to another intending thereby to buy that person's or another person's vote or to corruptly influence that person or another in casting his or her vote. Any person who violates this subsection is guilty of a felony of the third degree. Uh, however, this subsection shall not apply to the serving of food to be consumed at a political rally or meeting, or any item of nominal value, uh, which is used as a political advertisement. In other words, you get you, you get a "Make America Great Again" mask if you go to a campaign rally. All right, that's not a bribe. But here we have a situation where, according to Team Bloomberg itself, they specifically identified a voting block that they believed would be overwhelmingly supportive of Joe Biden, and now. They're paying off their fines. Does that amount to influencing, deceiving, uh, or trying to, uh, well, that's the wrong statute here, indirectly or directly giving or promise anything of value to another, intending to buy that person's vote? Again, keep in mind, these these convicted felons, they're not getting the $1,500 in cash to pay off the fines themselves. The fines are being paid. But does that still result in an indirect giving of something of value, intending to buy that person's vote? Yeah, I think it does. Because the intent, as stated in that Bloomberg memo, is that these individuals are going to turn around and they're going to vote for Joe Biden once their fines have been paid. So to me, that would be indirectly giving something intending to buy that person or another's vote. It's Bloomberg who's buying the vote. And they're paying off the state of Florida. Right. That, that, that's, that's where that indirect gift is coming from. They're not giving it to the felon itself, but they're paying the state of Florida with the intention that that felon, who is now eligible to cast a vote in November, will cast that vote for Joe Biden. Uh, as Alupundant says, since the debts are being paid up front, the newly re enfranchised felons are then free to vote however they like. One could argue that it's not really a bribe. Uh, payment of the fines and fees is not contingent upon voting for Biden. It's more like a gift, which Team Bloomy is expecting will then uh, elicit a reciprocal gift. But if a candidate were standing outside a polling place handing $50 bills to people as they walked in, that's obviously illegal. It makes you wonder if Team Bloomy shouldn't have paid off the debts for a few white ex-cons too, just to make their intent here a teeny bit more plausibly Deniable. All opponent also wonders if uh, anybody is going to try to sue here. It says if Florida's Republican establishment is willing to effectively block a constitutional amendment, they're surely willing to have a prosecutor somewhere up the chain go after Bloomberg about this. Well, you know, again, uh, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals has upheld the uh, legislature's decision to ensure that all debts to society have been paid before those voting rights are restored. Again, I, I think it should go even further. I think once all debts to society have been paid, then every right should be restored. but that's neither here nor there. That's kind of a different topic. What we're talking about right this second is whether or not this could be construed uh, again, as an indirect uh gift or an indirect uh uh you know payment to buy that person's vote or another person's vote, and you know? Again, given the strategy at work here uh, by the Bloomberg campaign in targeting a, a very specific uh, voting block because they believe that those individuals will then turn around and vote for Joe Biden. I, I mean, look, I'm not an attorney, I'm not a prosecutor, but uh, I think you can make a pretty good case out of that. Uh, more importantly, though, for gun owners and for voters, it, it should be noted here. That, uh, you know, Democrats have been complaining for years about big money in politics, right? Back in 2016, they complained about the $60 million that the NRA spent supporting Donald Trump nationwide. Now Bloomberg's dropping $100 million on ads in Florida, spending millions more uh, to uh, pay off the fines for a uh, you know, several tens of thousands of uh, felons in the state of Florida with the intention of them voting for Joe Biden. And the left's not saying a word. Have you heard anything about getting big money out of politics from the left this year? I haven't. And why is that? Because a lot of the big money is going towards Joe Biden. And all of a sudden, when the big money is flowing towards the Democrats preferred candidate, uh, it's not nearly as much of an issue to get big money out of politics. Right. All right. Listen, if you are a Florida gun owner. Don't. Give up. Don't be discouraged. There was a poll out today showing uh, Trump up by four in Florida. Uh, Act like you are and your candidates are 10 points down. Know that Democrats are going to try to buy this election by hook or by crook or tens of thousands of crooks, as the case may be. Uh, But do not be discouraged. Now is the time, as we talked with Alan Gottlieb of the Second Amendment Foundation yesterday. Now's the time really to get involved and engaged. I mean, it, it really, you could go back, uh, you know, a month or two, and that would have been the time. But it's not too late to get involved and to be engaged. And you can work with campaigns directly. Nothing wrong with that. Calling up uh, your local, uh, you know, a, a volunteer office and saying, all right, or your campaign office, what do, you, what do you need? How can I help? That's great. But you can also work with Second Amendment groups. If you're a gun owner, you can join... Uh, NRA's Political Victory Fund, you can uh, uh, join their grassroots team. There are volunteers all over the country who are working to elect strong Second Amendment candidates. Uh, We talked about with Alan yesterday the Second Amendment Foundation's Second Amendment First Responders Program. Uh, You can join that as well. And again, you can have an outsized influence not only on your local elections but on the national elections as well. What we can't afford to do right now is to sit this one out. I mean, we can't afford to sit on the couch and say, "Well, you know, my my, I'll go and I'll vote." But you know, it doesn't really matter if I'm going and talking. Yeah, it does. It it really does. Uh, Ed Morrissey and I have talked about this extensively during our uh, VIP Gold live chats over the past few weeks. How the Democrat ground game is basically non-existent in 2020. They're relying on robocalls. They're relying on ads. Apparently, they're also relying on uh, you know paying off the fines of felons so they can vote. Uh, but What they're not doing is the retail politics. They're not doing the door knocking. They're not doing that face-to-face contact. And Ed actually had a a story at Hunter yesterday, a a poll suggesting that Americans are kind of turned off by that retail politics right now. But not enough of them to make it uh, uh, a losing proposition. You still have a a good number of Americans – um, who say that they are willing to talk to the folks who show up at their door. You know, if I'm going and I'm I'm campaigning for a local candidate, listen, I'm wearing my mask, I'm knocking on the door, I'm stepping back so that I can maintain that six-foot distance. I'm making the person inside that house feel comfortable when they answer the door, and we can start talking about candidates. We can start talking about the importance of the election. But you can also make phone calls. You can also stuff envelopes. There are There are things that you can do that don't require that one-on-one face-to-face interaction that is still... Valuable in terms of turning out the vote. And I think this election is going to be awfully close in a lot of states. And uh, truly, every vote is going to count. And the efforts of every voter between now and Election Day is going to count as well. All right, let's get to today's Armed Citizen story. Our good deed of the day, our recidivist report as well. We'll start there out of uh, Joe Biden's backyard, Wilmington, Delaware, where uh, police say that uh, youth gun violence is on the rise. The city has already doubled the number of juveniles arrested with guns compared to a 2019. And uh, Police Chief Robert Tracy uh, says that many of these individuals, well-known to law enforcement, they're well-known to authorities, he said 20% of the arrests made in the city involving gun possession were juveniles. That One of those individuals already had five prior arrests. Yeah. He said, I spoke about the concerns that I have with young people that have guns that are emboldened and not afraid to use them. I talked about how many we rearrest and yet they continue to get back out. And when they get out, we're doing them a disservice because they've already pulled the trigger once or they're carrying a firearm. They're also going to be a victim of firearm violence. If we don't get them the help that they need to figure out what's going on in their life, to rehabilitate them, to get them ready to go out, we're going to continue to have this problem. He said that uh, I've been out here this summer where I was dealing with one place where we had shots fired with a large crowd and only a half block away. Direct my line of sight, somebody started firing a gun with four to five police officers on the street. He says there's a boldness. So that's a key word. Tracy said there have been 104 shootings as of uh, Sunday night in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, the uh, TV station WDEL says it's unclear whether that figure Included a double shooting reported about an hour after uh, Sunday night's meeting concluded. 22 homicides so far this year compared to 15 this time last year in Wilmington. Uh, It's the uh, highest homicide rate to date since 2017. The shooting count uh, also at a three-year high. And uh, things are, you know, moving in the wrong direction. But the chief hit on something really key here. You know the the Biden Harris plan. If you were to ask Joe Biden, Joe, what do you got? What what do we got to do about the violence in Wilmington, Delaware? Well, well, Biden. First of all, there's a probably like a thirty percent chance that Biden would give you a recipe for his mom's chocolate chip cookies. I, I mean, it's just kind of where he is right now. But if you could get him to focus, focus, Joe, focus. Here, you, me. What are we going to do about the violence in Wilmington? Biden would say, "Well, fat. Uh, you know what we got to do is we got to." We've got to go after these battlefield weapons of war. We've got to make sure that people don't have these large capacity magazines. We've got to empower states to uh, pass gun licensing laws. We need red flag laws. We need background check laws. None of which would do a damn thing to address these shootings in Wilmington, Delaware. Go back to what the police chief said when he was out on the street earlier this summer. And he said, in clear sight of four to five officers, somebody started firing a gun. He said, there is a boldness. And he said, that's a key word. Well, what makes somebody so emboldened to commit a shooting in sight of police officers? I believe that what emboldens somebody to do something like that is a lack of consequences. And Chief Tracy actually addressed that as well. Talked about that juvenile arrested with the five priors this year. He said, um, how many we rearrest? Yeah, they continue to get back out. And when they get back out, we're doing them a disservice because they've already pulled the trigger once or they're carrying a firearm. Yeah. And and look, Chief Tracy said, look, they're gonna, if we don't get them the help they need, he said, to figure out what's going on in their life, to rehabilitate them, to get them ready to go out, we're going to continue to have this problem. I do believe. That many of these lives can be saved. I do believe that a 16-year-old on the wrong path can turn their life around. I do. And there are programs out there that can actually work. But here's the thing. They don't rely on any new gun control measures, which is what the Biden-Harris plan is all about. New gun control measures aimed at legal gun owners when the key is to focus on that small number of violent offenders in any given community and you got to give them consequences. There needs to be a choice, a come to Jesus moment with these individuals where you sit them down. And I'm describing a program called the project ceasefire, which was first put in place back in Boston in the late 1990s. It's been replicated. It's success has been replicated around the country in the decades since. Again, This core group of offenders, they're known to police. They're known to the community. Most of them are already on probation or parole. So you identify the most violent offenders. That's going to require the work of law enforcement as well as the community. And then you call them in. And you've got two groups that are standing in front of them. There's the group with the police chief and the DA and the U.S. attorney and maybe a representative from the ATF. And on the other side, there's there's mom. There's maybe a former teacher. There's a pastor. There's an activist. And the message from both of those groups is the same. You will stop shooting people. You're going to stop. And we will help you turn your life around if you let us, all of us up here. We'll help you turn your life around if you let us. But if you don't, then we're going to stop you from shooting other people. Because we're going to put you behind bars for as long as the law allows. And these can't be empty promises. If they're empty promises, then again, all all that happens is criminals get emboldened. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. But if there are real results, and the next time somebody engages in a shooting, they're facing federal felon possession charges. They're looking at years in a federal prison as opposed to a slap on the wrist and being sent right back onto the streets. That's a consequence. On the other hand, if individuals see, oh, you know what happened to Jimmy? I mean, Jimmy he, he uh, is kind of crazy, but, you know, Jimmy got his GD and now he's working a regular job and he's pulling down, you know, 40 hours a week and, I mean, Jimmy's not hanging out with us much anymore. That happens too. In Boston, back in 1999, the juvenile homicide rate dropped by more than 50% after this program was put in place. And again, in cities around the country, this has worked. It's not a perfect solution. A lot of times you get infighting between the various groups of adults that are trying to Stop this uh, violence. People want to take credit, uh, you know, more, more credit than, uh, than others. And sometimes it's just falling apart. Baltimore, Maryland tried to do this back when Martin O'Malley was the mayor. It didn't work. And he actually scrapped it and tried to arrest his way out of the problem, which also didn't work. It's not a perfect panacea. But it does deliver if it's put in place effectively. And in, again, Joe Biden's backyard, Biden's plan isn't doing anything to uh, make the streets any safer. Just making things worse, one shooting at a time. All right, finally, our uh, good deed of the day. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't even gotten to our armed citizen story yet. Okay, so we'll move on to our armed citizen story from uh, Billings, Montana where uh, KBZK says a man who was fatally shot at a Billings residence was killed while assaulting a woman. Happened uh, shortly after 4 a.m. Monday. Officers found 43-year-old Robert Avon Coulter uh, shot there of the residence. He died after being taken to the hospital in a uh, press release on Tuesday. Investigators said that Coulter had traveled from a Roundup, Montana, to see a 33-year-old woman uh, who was staying at that house to were in a relationship. 34-year-old man uh, was staying in a uh, separate building on the property. Before the shooting, Coulter was assaulting the woman. The woman was strangled and pistol-whipped. And then Coulter tried to force her to leave with him. When he put a gun to the woman's head, the 34-year-old man who lived there on the same property shot Coulter. The investigation continues. No arrest has been made. I mean, that certainly sounds like uh, self-defense, not, not self-defense, but defense of another uh, there in uh, Billings, Montana. And finally today, our... A good deed of the day. Los Angeles County, where an LAPD officer saved a man in a wheelchair from a burning vehicle. Yeah, scary moments there in uh, Los Angeles. This was Friday. Uh, Two officers on routine patrol in the uh, San Fernando Valley foothills, according to uh, KTLA. uh, When they uh, spotted a disabled vehicle, smoke already pouring out from under the hood officer was able to help both the passenger uh, and the disabled man out of that car moments before it really was fully engulfed in flames. Uh, fire is actually destroyed by the man's wheelchair, but uh, a police officer was able to replace the man's wheelchair uh, through a donation. So uh, we don't know if it's the same officer who pulled that uh, gentleman out of the car, but in the right place at the right time, willing able to do the right thing. We thank these officers for their very good deed. And that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as well. Don't forget to check out BaringArms.com for the latest Second Amendment news and information from across the nation throughout the day. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news as well. But you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss a program. You can subscribe to Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, If you want the audio version of the show, we certainly do appreciate your support i got another live chat, by the way, coming up with Ed Morrissey. If you're not a VIP gold member of Bearing Arms or Town Hall Media, you can use the code LOYALTY, get 25% off, and uh, you can catch that live chat on demand whenever you would like. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free, and we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company.